last week, um, I started looking at the subject of life in all its fullness, which is what Jesus came to give us. That was his raison d'etre, if you like. And I told you last time uh, about a time when I was in quite a bad way quite recently. I don't want to bore you with all that again, so I'm going to tell you about another time. Do you know, I am just so flaky, you wouldn't believe it. So um, it was, it was happened to me. I became a Christian when I was about 19. I was 19. And it was quite a turbulent time in my life. It was great. I, I kind of, anyway, I, beca- I became a Christian and I had a, a really instant, really close relationship with God. It was lovely. But it was kind of a weird time because two weeks after I became a Christian, I moved away and I went up to, uh, lived in a little town, a little village actually, and I moved up to Nottingham to become a teacher there. I did my teacher training up there. Two weeks after I went to college, my parents split up. So you can imagine it was quite a turbulent time. But I managed to get through it all with the help of uh, friends, uh, in, mostly in the Christian Union I became a part of, but people on my course as well. And then I moved down here to Bracknell. Mm. And <laughs> that was when the decline set in. <laughs> I came to this church. Mm. And <laughs> but I'm still here. So, but something, you know, it was just like my, my faith kind of slid. I think I was very dependent on my friends at college and the Christian Union and, and stuff like that. And I found it very difficult uh, the whole world of work was quite difficult. Um, I used to come to church still every Sunday, but it was, I tell you, have you ever been to church and you go home feeling worse? No, it's only me. But um, that was what it was like. And I, I kind of staggered along in my faith. I even went to a, um, what we called a little a ladies group. It was like a small group or what we now call a life group. And that actually sustained me being with this group of, of women who had kids like I did and were, you know, it was just a, like a little, it was like a psychotherapy, I think, actually. Um, and that kept me going. But I was like kind of staggering along in my faith for 10 years. It, you know, it wasn't a little, you know, I was, I was struggling. In that 10 years, I, I got married <laughs> to my lovely husband who has, that's when the rot set in, he's saying. Uh, no, it was before that, Don. <laughs> you were the icing on the cake. And <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't mean that. Um, and I had a couple of kids. Um, and I didn't find that very easy. I wasn't, I wasn't a natural-born mother. Um, anyway, and I had postnatal depression. And, oh, you know. You know, it was, it was pretty awful, really. But, I, you know, I staggered on with my faith. And, this, like I said, this little group really helped me through. And after 10 years, something happened. I'm, I, I was introduced to this chap who came to the church. And he'd been a Christian three years. And I thought... You know, he's just amazing. I've been a Christian 10 years. What is, what is happening here? You know, sort yourself out, woman, I thought. And uh, so to that end, I did three things. I started to read a book that I'd had on my bookshelf since I was at college. You ever bought books and think, I'll read that one day? Yes. And it was called Victorious Christian Living. And I thought, do you know, I feel like I'm living defeated Christian living at the moment. I need to read this book. So I read the book, and I read a psalm, the same psalm, for two weeks until it kind of didn't go like that over my head, but actually sunk into me. And the other thing I did was every day, every morning, I asked God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And then something started to happen, and my my life started to change. Do you know, I, 
I had a friend at that time. I won't embarrass her by naming her again, but she's sitting over there. And I used to go and see her. And um, this was before my life changed. And I would say, you know, I feel... Blah, blah, blah. And she said, but, you know, God loves you. God forgives you. And I said, yeah, I know that. And I, I used to annoy her because I knew all the answers. I knew I was forgiven. I knew I was loved by God. But it didn't help. Do you know what I mean? I felt I couldn't love myself. I couldn't forgive myself for the sort of person I was. And it wasn't that awful. Do you know, but... Do you know how self-loathing takes hold of you sometimes? Maybe you don't, but that was the sort of person I was. And it didn't really help. But when I started asking the Holy Spirit to fill me, it was like suddenly the words that I understood up here started sinking in here. And it started to affect my life and the way I lived and the way I was a mother and a wife. And my husband noticed the difference. Now, when somebody living with you notices there is a change in you, That's significant, I think. And the only thing I can put it down to was asking every day for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me. Because, do you know, the Holy Spirit breathes life and power into us. And that is what I needed as a young mum and wife. I needed life and power, that full life that Jesus talks about. I don't know, have you ever gone through the motions of being a Christian and just kind of you come to church and you go home and it doesn't seem to make any difference to the way you lead your life, the way you are in your family or the way you are at work. It doesn't make any difference about the way you feel about yourself or things going on around you. Perhaps you go through phases of coming to church and it's like duty. Your heart's really not in it. Or maybe it's that you just feel battered by life and you don't see God in it. Where is he in your life? You're not living that fullness of life that I was talking about last week. Now, maybe you aren't even there that yet. Maybe you're here checking out what Christianity is about. Now, I hope what I'm going to tell you in the next few minutes is going to actually make you think a bit Perhaps you are a Christian and you've read about the exciting stuff that happened in Jesus' ministry and in the early church. And you're disappointed that it just doesn't seem to be happening here and now. And I'm going to read to you about a time, an exciting time, that the, where the followers of Jesus were having a difficult time. But exciting because miracles were happening to them and through them. Now, it was a time when the Holy Spirit breathes life and power into them. Isn't that what we want as people, as followers of Jesus? Don't we want life and power? Power to get us through the day sometimes. Now, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, after hiding away from the authorities after Jesus' ascension, so Jesus is gone. The followers of Jesus experience an amazing thing when the Holy Spirit pours out on them and they are suddenly filled with supernatural power. You can read about this in Acts chapter 2. They go out and they tell everyone who will listen all about Jesus. They tell them who he is, what he's done and what he can do for them. And the church grows. This body of believers grows Not by a few, but by thousands. 
Later on, a couple of days later, Peter and John go to the temple. They still respect their their faith, their old faith. They go to the temple to pray. And on their way, they encounter a disabled beggar. And the beggar's asking for money. They haven't got money, but they say, what, we're gonna, what we can give, we'll give to you. And they healed the beggar. And he got up and he started jumping and leaping about and telling everybody what these people had done for him. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that kind of thing? Anyway, temple authorities were not happy. They didn't want them talking about Jesus. They didn't want to see these miracles. They didn't want anything to do with this. So they took hold of these guys, Peter and John, had them arrested, kept them in for the night, I think. And they told them, you never do this again. You're in big trouble. Stop talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear about that stuff or you are going to be in even bigger trouble. So this is what the Bible tells us happens next. So they're released with a warning. It says this in Acts 4, chapter 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they go back to the company of believers the disciples, whatever you like to call them, their friends. That's interesting, that, isn't it? Because, I don't know, what do we do when something bad happens to us? What's our first reaction? Is it to get your friends of faith around you and say, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening in my life. Let's sort it out. Is that what we do? I don't think so. Quite often, that's not what we do. They're knocked back. But they go to their fellow believers. When we are bruised and battered, this should be our first port of call. This is where we should go to help to each other. And we should have these sort of relationships with one another so we can do that. When they heard this, this is all of them. When they heard what had happened to these guys, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Prayer is their first reaction. But it's how they pray that I find quite interesting. If this happened to one of us, if a couple of us were thrown in prison and told that we couldn't do this talking about Jesus stuff anymore, what would we pray? Do you know, I think we would pray, Lord, protect us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be a bit braver. Or maybe, could you stop them persecuting us? Isn't that the sort of prayer we might pray? Kind of defensive sort of prayer. But this is how they pray. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Do you know they start off with great confidence. They are confident in God. They see God as sovereign. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. These words are from Psalm 2, which is part of the Bible that we 
call the Old Testament. They knew the word of God. They knew it so well that they could call upon it in a crisis. And their prayer continues like this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What they're doing here is seeing that the circumstances that they are in are just like those in the psalm. They see that these authorities have risen up against Jesus, that Jesus is the anointed one in the psalm. How do they see this? Because they, knew, they know what's in the Bible. And also because the Holy Spirit is in them. They've already received this amazing power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in them. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit enables us to do is call to mind things like this and to see connections So then it goes on. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles. And in that little bit, it says, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. I wonder if you can recall how the prayer started. Prayer started, sovereign Lord. This is how they see God. He's sovereign. Jesus was not a victim God is sovereign. They're saying here, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Jesus is not a victim and neither are they. They don't see themselves in that role. God is sovereign in every circumstance. And this is difficult for us to hear because some of us are going through very rough and tough circumstances. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is fighting talk, isn't it? This isn't cowardly, cowering talk. This is fighting talk. As I was preparing this, it reminded me of a Simpsons episode. I'm sorry, but I'm going to show you a little clip from Simpsons. Now, there is going to be an alien invasion. Lisa Simpson has had the opportunity to have a wish, any wish she wants to come true, and she she wishes for world peace. Anyway, there is world peace. They burn all their weapons, and the aliens see, and they think, ha-ha, now is the time to invade. Let's see this. (laughs) I just thought it was brilliant. Your, their superior intellect is no match for our puny weapons. I just think that's... And they come there with a club and a catapult. This is what they come to invade Earth with. The club hasn't even got a nail in it. Do you know, it's, it's pathetic. Life can sometimes feel like an assault on us, can't it? You know, we feel battered and bruised. But our God is sovereign Compared to God, we are being assaulted with clubs and catapults. Anything that life can throw at us is like, compared with the sovereignty of God and the power of God, is a club or a catapult. And the disciples saw this. 
We need to get a bigger picture of God. The Holy Spirit in these disciples enables us to have that bigger picture because the Holy Spirit breathes life and power into us. Our prayers often don't hit that same tone. This is a really exciting prayer, isn't it? Don't you think so? No. I think that I should, I should try to get in the habit of starting every prayer, Sovereign Lord. Do you think if we started every prayer, Sovereign Lord, and repeated back to him the sort of things that he does, our prayers would be different because our prayers would be rooted in the sovereignty of God. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. The disciple don't want to crumple or crumble. They didn't want protection. They wanted to be bold and brave. And they wanted more signs and wonders, not less. Signs that point towards Jesus. Wonders that declare that there was a mighty God that they worship. What a prayer. I think we should learn to pray like this, don't you? As individuals, but also as a church. If prayer meetings sounded more like this, I think we'd turn up, don't you? This is our aim in those evenings that we're having, by the way. An encounter with God, something positive. Not heads in hands, oh Lord, please. Sovereign Lord. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The believers shared their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. So after they prayed, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is about two or three days after it's happened to them previously. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't a once in a lifetime thing. And then it tells us that they spoke the word of God boldly. Their prayers were answered. Now it wasn't easy for them. Some of them got killed for their faith. Life will not be easy for us, but they had that courage, that boldness. And they were one in heart and mind. They shared everything that they had. The spirit of life comes to renew their confidence, to empower them to face the obstacles. We are filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose, to empower us to live out our faith, to point others to Jesus to live a full life, a significant life, a life that has eternal significance. Are we flagging because of the knocks of life? The Holy Spirit can breathe new life into us. We just have to keep asking. We have to get our friends around us. Is our trust and faith waning? We need more of Holy Spirit life. Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, strengthened by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. He had the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised him to life after he was empowered to face death. 
He went to the cross, it tells us, with joy in his heart because of us. Who could do that in human strength? The apostles, the followers of Jesus, saw this and relied on the Spirit themselves. And Jesus sent the Spirit to be upon them. And Jesus tells us that it's better that the Spirit comes and that he goes. At the beginning of the church church service, we saw that film of the car on candid camera. And I thought of that. I'm sorry I didn't have a modern version of it. I saw that when I was a kid, and it was very funny. Well, I thought it was very funny. Couldn't get a modern version. It looked like a car, didn't it? You know, as it wheeled its way into the garage, and it was able to be filled up with petrol. But without the engine, it's just so much metal. Now, we can coast downhill in our Christian lives, can't we? We can be like that. We can coast downhill when everything's going quite well. We can even come into church, the little service station, and have some petrol put in. But if there's no engine, how can we drive off? We really need to keep asking for Holy Spirit power in our lives. Otherwise, we're just like that car without the power of an engine. The Holy Spirit is the one that breathes life and power into us. Now, many of you will have a tablet. Even I have a tablet. And many of you will have a mobile phone. I hope it's on silent. I've got a mobile phone. Now, when you get a tablet or a phone, first thing you have to do, what do you have to do? Plug it in. Charge it up. That's what they tell you to do. Otherwise, it's useless. But you know, they run down, don't they, when you use them? Have you noticed that? Especially these newfangled phones. I used to have a phone that lasted a fortnight, the battery. Did you have those? And then they got these new flash phones. (laughs) I had my son's cast off first. I said, how how often do you have to charge the battery, Mum? He said, two Two days, not two weeks. What? To keep it charged up? We are like, not like that, but do you know, we have to keep charged up. Otherwise, we're useless. Now, you might wait until your tablet or your phone is fairly discharged, I think they call it, run down. But I tell you, if I go on a long journey, I'm going out for the day, I make sure that this is fully charged. You know, just in case. I don't go when it's going to need a charger. Do you? And so if we know that we're going to face a situation that might be difficult for us, don't you think it makes sense to get charged up, to plug in, and make sure we've got the energy and the power to sustain us One charge isn't enough. We need to keep plugging in for more life. In the time of the early church, there were signs and wonders. We read about them. Thousands coming to faith in one day. So why isn't it happening now? Here. I mean, we do see signs. We do hear prayers answered. And miracles do happen. But wouldn't we like to see more? 
We'd like to see more people come into faith. Don't we think our country is in such a bad state that we need more Christians? We need more people of faith. We need more hope. We need to turn things around. Well, is there a lack of expectation in us? Is our God too small? Is it a lack of obedience, maybe? That fear of failure. I've experienced that. Not wanting to pray with somebody, being prompted to say pray with somebody about something and fearing that it wasn't going to work. And then, what would I do and how would I feel? I believe that I, I believe that we need more of this Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that can breathe life and power into us. We need to commit to pursuing the Holy Spirit. What would our lives look like if we did that? What difference would it make in our church, in our community, if the spirit of life was evident? People healed, signs and wonders, miracles. How many of you have a mobile phone? Do you know, I'd like you to do something. Every time you plug in your mobile phone, think about... I really should plug into the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with the power and life that he wants to give you. I want you just to give you a couple of minutes to think about what you've just heard. I'm going to read from the message. This is the message version of that passage I just read you. Hearing the report, they lifted their voices in a wonderful harmony in prayer. Strong God, you made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. By the Holy Spirit, you spoke through the mouth of your servant and our father David. Why the big noise nations? Why the mean plots, peoples? Earth leaders push for position. Potentates meet for summit talks. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers. For in fact, they did meet. Herod and Pontius Pilate with nations and peoples, even Israel itself, met in this very city to plot against your holy son, Jesus, the one you made Messiah, to carry out the plans you set long ago in motion. And now they're at it again. Take care of their threats and give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message as you stretch out your hand to us in healing and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. While they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. Amen.